Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we're headed back to the Columbia River Gorge, which is one of the best places to check out this time of year. That's right. Between wildflowers, waterfalls, mountain views, and of course, the Columbia River itself, the gorge is easily one of the most beautiful spring destinations in the Pacific Northwest. And once it finally stops raining, which will happen someday, I assume, people are surely going to be flocking to the trailheads, river beaches, and day-use areas that all are situated along the river. But this year, some of those visitors are going to be facing a new permitting system, one of several that are now in place to help thin out those crowds. Jamie, it seems like visiting the gorge is an awesome spring activity, but it also sounds like it can get a little complicated. Yeah, you know, it really can anymore. So for this week's episode, I thought we could focus on all of those timed entry permits, parking permits, and the other restrictions that you need to know about in and around the Columbia River Gorge. It can be like a a lot to wrap your head around, but ideally these permits will also lead to a safer and more enjoyable visit once you're out there. That's the plan anyway. That's sort of the the big idea behind all of these. So by the time this episode is released, permits will be available for you to purchase online. However, they won't go into effect until May 24th. Is that correct? Yes. Right now, all eyes are on the newest of these permitting systems, uh, the one that people are going to have to adjust to this year for the very first time, and that is the new driving permit for the historic Columbia River Highway. Uh, Vicky, I know you're sort of relatively new to the area. Have you have you been up there on the historic Columbia River Highway? I have. Yeah, I've I've gone out that way for a few different hikes, um, and of course, I have not experienced uh, the need for any any permits so far. So that that will be new to me for sure as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these these permits are for a just sort of a small slice of that historic highway. So this is this the scenic highway that kind of runs parallel to Interstate 84, takes you past uh, the Vista House, the Angels Rest Trailhead, a ton of waterfalls and a bunch of other stuff. So this permitting area is basically between Bridal Veil and Ainsworth State Park. So for folks who know their Interstate 84 exits, that's like exit 28 to 35. That's not so helpful for me. Uh, what's helpful for me to sort of get it, to get my head around this is what's inside of that section. And so what we're talking about is basically Multnomah Falls, Joaquina Falls, Horsetail Falls, Oneota Gorge. Those are sort of the big attractions in that area. So if you're driving the scenic highway to those attractions, you now need to get a timed entry permit in advance uh, if you're going to be driving that area between um, May 
24th and September 5th of this year from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. So, you know, if you're going to say have some visitors in from out of town, let's say on a Saturday afternoon, want to go drive the scenic highway in that area, you have to go online and get a permit in advance that is good for a certain time uh, that you are planning on, on entering that particular area of the scenic highway. So, Jamie, I assume for each time slot, there's a limited number of permits available. Is that correct? Yeah, that that would make sense. They have not really said, you know, that I've seen how many permits are available for each time slot. They went on sale on May 10th, which is this morning that we are recording. So um, I think folks are just starting to get an idea of of how that system's working, how many tickets are going to be available. Um, but, you know, they said once you get in there, once you're through the checkpoint, you can stay for as long as you want. So it's not like you buy, you know, a ticket for the 2 p.m. time slot. You can only be in there from 2 to 3 p.m. Because, I mean, obviously people are hiking in there. They're checking out waterfalls. You can't do that in an hour. That's crazy. So once you're in there, you can hang around, do what you want, um, see as much as you can. Of course, it should be noted that just because you have a, a permit to be in that section doesn't mean you have like a permit to park. So you're not guaranteed parking. And it also doesn't mean that you ha- don't have to pay any of the other parking fees that you normally would for some of these areas anyway. So do we have any idea about how this will be enforced? Yeah, they're going to have checkpoints, like literal actual checkpoints. Um, so when you get off of Interstate 84, say you get off um, like you're going to go toward um, Bridal Veil Falls, right? Um, and you check out Bridal Veil Falls, which is outside the area. But then if you want to head farther down the scenic highway, farther east upriver, there's going to be a checkpoint right there um, where you have to show them either a digital or physical proof of your timed entry permit. And if you have it, it's all good. They wave you through and you're you're in there. The part that I'm, I'm a little curious about is that this is only enforced 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? So if you show up at, say, 8 a.m., don't need to go through the checkpoint, you can hang out there all day and not pay for a permit, I assume. Will this lead to people flocking to the trailheads early. I, I'm curious about that. But it seems like like, you know, when they implement a lot of these new permitting systems, what I keep hearing them say, um, the officials for whichever agency does it, is like, you know, we're we're just gonna try it out for the first year. And the second year we're gonna maybe try to hammer out some things that went wrong. So I can't imagine that the people in the gorge are expecting perfection with this right now. They're just trying to do something that is going to stem some of the crowds in the gorge because honestly it's been really bad in recent years, um, particularly in this section of the of the scenic highway, which is known as the waterfall corridor. You end up with a lot of people parking illegally on the sides of that really narrow highway. And this is also an area where you see a ton of search and rescue attempts. So I think the big concern right now is getting emergency vehicles into an area where people are parked illegally. They just simply have to do something to, to curb that. And getting in there and towing every car is just not the solution. Got it. And so remind me, Jamie, how much these permits will cost? Technically, the permits are free. But if you buy them online, which most people will, it's a $2 uh, fee to to buy it online. So you're paying $2 for the permit um, to get it online. Uh, If folks who, who... for whom that's maybe something that they don't want to do, or that's something that um, they, they feel they want to take a principled stand against. I don't know. Um, you can get free same day permits that are made available at the Gateway to the Gorge Visitor Center in Troutdale and the Cascade Locks Historical Museum. They have like a limited number of those free permits there. So you can also do that if you want. But for folks who, who want to get into this part of the scenic highway, um, 
You can also get in there uh, without worrying about a permit if you are on public transportation or if you're a part of a tour. So there's a few different um, you know companies that will take you there. The Sasquatch shuttle is one of them. Um, the gray line trolley is another one. You know, th- those will take you for like 15 to 20 bucks a person. You can take that and not worry about parking or gas or permits or anything like that. So really great option for folks who just really don't want to mess with the fuss of trying to find a parking spot, be able to get to the trailhead or to the waterfall with, you know, with no, no trouble at all. That might be the way to go. Definitely. I also saw you could, you can also avoid the fee by biking. Is that something you could do? Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if, you're a, if you're a cyclist, bike right in. Don't worry about it. That's a great way to do it as well. Again, the big thing here that they're worried about is congestion of, of vehicles. And so if you're not in a personal vehicle, don't worry about it. You can just get right in there and uh, not have any issues at all. Gotcha. Have you ever taken the the shuttle into the gorge? You know, I have not, actually. I think that'd be a cool thing to do is to take one of the, the shuttles, the trolleys, um, when I'm going, it's usually either off season or a weekday. Of course, these are now going to be charging for weekdays too. But um, I don't, you know, early in the morning that kind of stuff. I tend to avoid crowds just by doing that. But I think the trolley is a good idea. The shuttle is a good idea. It's a really mm-hmm. cool way to get in, into the gorge and again, not to have to worry about anything. That's got to be so nice. Definitely, definitely. So, Jamie, obviously, a ton of people will be heading to the gorge to see Multnomah Falls. Is this permit something that affects those people? Is there something else that affects those people who are just wanting to see Multnomah Falls? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's like the big attraction, right, in the gorge. It's Oregon's tallest waterfall. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just an incredible site. Multnomah Falls started doing timed entry permits just to see Multnomah Falls um, back in 2020. Uh, it's sort of in the middle of the pandemic. And they are continuing to do this. So, yes, I mean, you, you have this permit to drive the scenic highway. But there's a separate permit if you want to see Multnomah Falls. And that is another timed entry permit. It's another $2. Again, it's good for the same time period that you need for the scenic highway. So that's daily 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., May 24th, September 5th. They have linked those two things up because the scenic highway goes right through Multnomah Falls. It makes sense just to have those all in the same timeline, the same reservation system. Um, but folks who want to just see Multnomah Falls aren't interested in driving the scenic highway. Um, because obviously you can access Multnomah Falls from Interstate 84. Just need that Multnomah Falls permit. And, um, you know, again, it does not guarantee you parking at Multnomah Falls, but it is something you need to have if you want to go to the base of the waterfall or hike around up there or do anything at the falls itself. Got it. And these permits specifically, did you say this is only for a specific time of year or is this happening year round right now? Yeah, again, it's May 24 to September 5th is the time that they're doing this. So basically, you're looking at Memorial Day to Labor Day. You can think about it that way. So this is the the busy summer crush. So if you want to go check out Winona Falls in the fall, in the winter, in early spring, don't have to worry about any of this stuff. And honestly, the winter and the early spring are great times to go see it because that's when the waterfall is like really, really going its strongest. I'm sure it'll be really good right now, too, because of all the rains we've had. But, um, you know, if this, if this all seems like too complicated for you, too just too much, consider just going in the off season. I think that's a really good way to do it. Or going in the evening when we have these uh, long days, you can go after 6 p.m. and not worry about this as well. A lot of ways to get around it if this is something that you just really don't want to deal with the hassle with. Is this one also something that you can only get online or is there an in-person option as well for Multnomah Falls? That's a good question, Vicky. I My understanding is that there is a uh, limited number of sort of same day you know, slots that you could get, like you could maybe show up and get a slot, but I, I really wouldn't 
necessarily rely on that, um, especially because it's really easy to just go online and get it. Like, I mean, you could park at Maloma Falls, pull it up on your phone and get a permit right then and there, you know? So it's something that I, I really wouldn't rely on it. But my understanding is that it is possible to show up and get a slot at the last minute. So Jamie, I'm aware that another hike requires a permit in the gorge, and that is Dog Mountain. What do you know about that hiking permit? Yeah, Dog Mountain was uh, one of the first areas in the gorge to begin doing these permits. This is back in, I want to say it's 2018. Uh, they decided to, again, deal with the parking issues, um, the crowds there at what is like a very ecologically fragile wildflower meadow at Dog Mountain. Um, they decided to issue uh, hiking permits. So if you want to go hike Dog Mountain on weekends during the nice season, the, the, the sort of the spring summer wildflower season, you have to get a permit in advance. And that is no different this year. Dog Mountain has a fee of well, $1 basically is the, again, it's just one of these things where the fee is technically free, but you have to pay the dollar for like the, you know, the, the processing fee basically. Um, so it, it's again, very minimal. And it's something that you can get if you get on, again, if you take public transportation to get there, there's a shuttle that leads um, from the town of Stevenson out to Dog Mountain. You can get the permit on that bus and not have to worry about trying to reserve anything in advance. So there's a lot of ways to sort of go about getting this permit that is not super complicated. But the thing is, if you're going to show up on a weekend at Dog Mountain, you're going to need to have a permit. And that, again, is just to try to protect this this, this sensitive area because the wildflowers at Dog Mountain are among the most spectacular uh, scenes that you, you can find in the gorge. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's everyone can agree that having fewer people there, um, not having uh, to deal with parking along the side of the highway on Highway 14, which is extremely dangerous, uh, is, is, is a positive thing for everyone involved. What people need to remember is they think about all of these different permits, whether it's Dog Mountain or it's in the, um, the waterfall corridor, is that these are permits to hike or to drive, but there are also a whole bunch of parking permits that have existed in the gorge for years that you still need to be aware of and still need to pay when you're out there. Definitely. So the times that I've been out to the gorge for a few different hiking adventures, I have had my America the Beautiful pass. And mm -hmm. upon going up to the parking sign, I look and see, oh, hey, my America the Beautiful pass will work here. Place that on my rearview mirror, on the dash, either one, um, and I'm good to go. So is that the case with pretty much all the trails in the gorge or parking at those trails? It, you know, it, it's true for a lot of them. The thing about the gorge is that it, it's managed by the U.S. Forest Service, which is federal, um, as well as Washington State Parks on the Washington side, as well as Oregon State Parks on the Oregon side, and then also a smattering of local parks organizations. So the America the Beautiful Pass will work for any U.S. Forest Service site, which includes a lot of the waterfall viewpoints, a lot of the trailheads, you know, Dog Mountain uh, works that way. You know, and if you don't have the America the Beautiful Pass, you can also get a Northwest Forest Pass, which works for Forest Service land as well. You know, if you don't have either of those, and when you're looking at these U.S. Forest Service sites, you're looking at paying a $5 parking fee. So if you're going out there once a year, you know, pay the five bucks and you're good. Um, if you're going out there a couple few times, getting either the Northwest Forest Pass or the America the Beautiful Pass is a really good way to go about doing that. So that's for the U.S. Forest Service land, of course. Now, if you're going into a Washington state park, you have to use their Discover Pass, which is yet another 
one of these annual passes you can get. Um, or you can pay again, a daily parking fee to park there. So you kind of have to know where you're going and what fee is associated with it. And that's just a good thing to look up ahead of time. Or, you know, if you're out there a lot, just buy all the passes, (laughs) get a state parks pass, get an America, the beautiful pass, get an Oregon state's parks pass. If you want most Oregon state parks don't charge parking fees, but one of the ones that does is rooster rock in the gorge. So if you're going to rooster rock, um, whether you're going to go hang out on the beach there, or you're going to go walk around or, um, go out into the water. Um, that's another place where you need to pay a $5 parking fee unless you have the Oregon state parks pass. So a little complicated again, but I think the key here is just to do the research before you head out there, you know, know what you're getting yourself into, know where you're going and just take a look at what fees you need to have, what permits you need to get in advance before you get out there and find yourself in a pickle. Exactly. So say someone is thinking, Hey, I, I could use all three of these passes. What's the easiest way? Is it, is it buying these permits online? Does it mean going to REI and getting your permits there? What are some avenues that people can purchase these things? All of the above. Um, some of them you can buy at you know local grocery stores. Buy Mart sells a lot of these passes. Fred Meyer sells some of them. Um, REI is a great choice, like you said. Um, they usually have all the ones you need. You can go online and buy them in advance. Um, they'll mail them to you. That's an easy way. I've done in person at parks before. That's just a little iffier. You've got to make sure you're at a park where they, they sell them. Um, but if you happen to be at one, you can buy them in person too. Um, a lot of different ways you can get the passes. I know that the times where I am looking at a sign and say someone does not have an America, the beautiful pass like I did, it says, hey, you can go to this website and purchase it right here on the spot. Unfortunately, the tricky thing is oftentimes you don't have a service. So (laughs) plan ahead (laughs) and make sure you get it ahead of time. Yeah. And people I know people are used to who've been doing this for a number of years are used to paying with like a check or cash and little envelope and the pay box. And some spots still have those. But I I am seeing the Forest Service start to take some of those away in some places because um, they're a, a, a spot that's just a huge target for theft. And uh, a lot of people are buying them online anyway. So again, I wouldn't necessarily even rely on being able to pay it in cash in person. I would recommend getting the pass or buying something uh, online in advance. Just take care of it before you go out there. And so you don't have to worry about it. Completely agree. (laughs) We're going to talk some more about what to do in the Columbia River Gorge right after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back and we're just talking about some adventures in the gorge. As someone who's relatively new to the area, the gorge just is a complete wonderland to me and I absolutely (laughs) love it. I've done a few different hikes. I've done Angel's Rest, all of these with my dog. I've done Angel's Rest, um, really great, awesome views of the gorge. Once you get to the top, it's a little bit of a burner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've done, I have actually done Dog Mountain and 
Unfortunately, the first time I went, I did go in the summertime, and I think I might have seen a TikTok or something of someone making their way to the top, and the view of the flowers was just so incredible. And of course, when I went in the summertime, the flowers were all dead and brown. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I was trying to use my imagination to think of what it might look like in the spring. So I'm going to need to get one of those permits and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I've done Eagle Creek, like I mentioned in our last episode. And most recently, I checked out Falls Creek Falls. Have you done that one, Jamie? I have not done Falls Creek Falls. It's one I've heard about. Um, One of the many places to go on the Washington side of the gorge, which um, gets a little overlooked sometimes. Uh, And, you know, all the rush of Multnomah Falls and Eagle Creek. Uh, There's a bunch of cool stuff on the Washington side of the gorge that I really like. Um, of course, this time of year, though, when you're talking about the gorge, we're talking about wildflowers. And again, I know it's your first spring in this area. So um, I guess you have not had the opportunity to really get a real eyeful of all those wildflowers out there in the gorge. I really haven't. And, you know, everyone, of course, has been telling me you need to go to Dog Mountain, see all those flowers on the hillside there. It's just absolutely stunning. But I'm interested to know what other hikes, or maybe it doesn't even have to be a hike. Maybe it's just a simple little walk, but ones that have access to see some really beautiful wildflowers. Oh yeah. I got you. I got you covered. There are a couple places that I love to go that are a little bit farther out in the gorge, a little farther east. Rowena Crest is one of those spots. Uh, If you kind of go to the town of Mosier and keep going a little bit farther east, you'll get to... um, uh, this place on the historic Columbia River Highway that kind of climbs up in the hills a little bit and does a little horseshoe. And right around that horseshoe, there's a place you can park um, at a place called Rowena Quest. And it's just has these fabulous views looking down the gorge. Um, and the, the, the hills are just, of course, like everywhere else in this area, just covered in wildflowers. Part of this area is the Tom McCall Preserve, which is a wildflower preserve up there. Um, so they really take care of that land and make sure that those wildflowers can bloom properly. And gosh, I went up there one year and just, I mean, it was like carpets of purple and gold, <laughs> which was just phenomenal. In Mosier itself, the Mosier Plateau is another great spot to go hiking. It's a quick hike to get up there. Not a ton of parking um, down at the trailhead, but um, it's a, a beautiful spot, again, with really, really nice views looking down the gorge and a great spot for wildflowers as well. One other spot I could send you to is the Dalles Mountain Ranch, which is across the river. It's part of um, Columbia Hills State Park. Um, and it's like an old ranch. It's kind of back farther in the hills. So you're not having like those cliff top views. Um, that you're looking at like from the Oregon side or even the big, huge views like Dog Mountain, but you're kind of hiking into the hills a little bit more sort of through these wildflower hills that are just sort of really lush and and beautiful and colorful um, with some good views of Mount Hood in the distance and um, just the Columbia River and all kinds of stuff. So Dow's Mountain Ranch is another really, really cool spot to check out. Again, I think you just keep going a little bit farther out into the gorge, check out some of the spots out there. Can't guarantee they're not going to be crowded too, but um, there are definitely some spots where you can um, get a little little bit of a different view than you're used to seeing for wildflowers in the gorge. That's awesome. So it sounds like, you know, Dog Mountain is a relatively strenuous hike. So it sounds like if you're not really looking to get an extreme workout in to see some wildflowers, there are these a little bit easier access ones available to you as well. 
Exactly. Rowena Crest, I think the first one I said is, is a great spot for exactly that reason, where you can just basically walk out of your car, walk down a, a dirt trail that's not like a climb or anything and get some great views. That, that's, I think, a great spot to go for folks who aren't looking for anything strenuous. Because yeah, Dog Mountain is is a hike, you know? It is a hike. The first time I did it, I looked down at my heart rate and thought, oh my, am I going to die here? Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of other spots in the gorge. I mean, uh, I, I went into the Klickitat Trail last year um, to check out the wildflowers back there. And it's this really low key spot um, where you don't see the Columbia River you don't really have the mountain views, but it's a canyon full of wildflowers. So if it's just flowers you're after, there's a lot of other places you can go to get those um, that, again, don't require these big hikes, don't require the crowds, don't require permits even. Some places don't even require parking permits. So there's a bunch of places you can go. And I would just encourage folks to explore, try something new, go somewhere a little bit different. Definitely. And so these are places when we mentioned you can do your research, you know, these trails Obviously, you can just do a quick Google search. You can look on an app like All Trails or something like that. Any other suggestions, Jamie, about where to do your research on these places? Yeah, OregonHikers.org is a great website that has usually pretty up-to-date trail reports um, for hikes all over the place. And if you're looking for some out-of-the-way stuff, some stuff that um, you might not be sure about, OregonHikers.org has uh, just the best information, and I highly recommend them. Well, Jamie, I am definitely trying to get out to see some wildflowers in the near future, whether that's Dog Mountain or one of the options you suggested. Um, but for now, that is all we have for you guys in this episode. Yeah, Vicky, we're looking forward to hear more about your adventures in the future here. In the meantime, you folks can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel, view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel or hereisoregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.